He'll say so many times you've done the same mistake. Who gives us a special? Sometimes not even them, their children make mistakes. And he said, Assalamu alayka ya Aba Abdullah. Imam Hussein came to him leaving and you choose a successor who was Harun. A'udhu billahi minash shaitan ar-rajim. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. One of the most powerful emotions which may exist within human beings is the feeling of guilt. Guilt is a self-policing emotion which works as an alert within the human existence. Once human beings have involved themselves in immoral acts, any human being, once encountering any unethical or immoral act, will experience guilt. And that is why scholars of human behavior believe that guilt is one of the most powerful and important emotions that exist in human beings and those who are guiltless meaning those who feel no guilt are also called psychopaths by the, by the scholars of human behavior. Guilt is so powerful that it changes the lives of extraordinary people. As in you've seen people who are extremely lively, extremely energetic, extremely social and friendly. However, when they experience guilt, their life changes 180 degrees. A person who walks at home with so much passion, with so much enthusiasm, with so much energy, with so much love, with smiles. The power of guilt changes this human being to a point when he comes home, he no longer wants to smile. He no longer wants to speak to anyone. He no longer wants to have an encounter. Same goes for work. Those individuals who are extremely social at work. They are extremely loving and energetic at work. After the power of guilt takes over them, they no longer want to have a conversation. They no longer want to speak to anyone. They no longer want to be seen in the eye. Not only that, but the power of guilt can also be self-destructing. What do I mean? I mean, when I am guilty of doing something immoral or unethical or something wrong, and I get invited to my cousin's house, the family members are there, and I show up, and every person who looks at me I ask myself, why is this person looking at me? Why is this person looking at me in a funny way? Why has this person not greeted me the way they used to greet me before? Why hasn't this person responded to my salam the way they used to? And I keep asking myself, do they know of what I am guilty of? Same goes for my place of work. There is a dinner, there is a lunch, 
There's a party at work. I show up. And everyone looking at me while I enter the room gives me the thought that why is everyone looking at me? Why is everyone now silent as soon as I've come in the room? It could be that it's a coincidence for them to go silent when I walked in or it's a coincidence for them to be looking at me all at the same time or it could be true. But in the same time, I keep telling myself it is because they now know what I am guilty of. It is now because they are all aware and discussing the mistake that I have involved myself in. So it's a self-destructing power within us that it drives us to an extent where I say to myself, listen, I'm better off just staying at home. I'm better off not going anywhere. Why would I take myself out of the house, go through the misery of having to deal with people who carry hatred, who carry animosity, who carry negative emotions towards me. There is no reason. So I go in a sense of isolation. I isolate myself from the world. I isolate myself from my friends. I isolate myself from my family. And sometimes some people who know about what I've done, some people who know of my guilt, maybe an uncle, maybe an aunt, maybe a parent, maybe a cousin, maybe a friend, will keep reminding me of what I have done. Will keep telling me how bad this mistake was, how severe this sin is. Not knowing, not knowing that the guilt that I carry within me is powerful enough. It's enough of a punishment. Even if they don't say anything, the way they act, the way they isolate themselves from me, the way they ignore me, as a silent treatment that tells me we are disgusted by you. We are disgusted by, by what you have done. We don't want to have anything to do with you. Many of us, at times, either encounter this scenario or we are involved in such a scenario, especially some parents. When, they when their children make mistakes, especially growing up in this country, and sometimes a mistake can be big. So they resort to disowning their children, to driving them away from their homes. To constantly making them feel guilty and horrible for what they have done. Now the question here is, is this the right method? Or is this a method that has not been practiced by the Imams and the Quran and Ahlul Bayt? When we gather in the first 10 nights of Muharram, one of the nights of the 10 nights is dedicated to a man by the name of Al-Hur ibn Yazid al-Riyahi, Ridwanullahi ta'ala alayhi. What is the story of Hur? Hur is a man who intercepted the caravan of Imam Abu Abdullah al-Hussein. He captured him, his family, and he intercepted them. And you know the story, when he came, 
He was thirsty. His cattle were thirsty. Imam gave them water. He gave the cattle water. He fed them. Then Imam says, Hur, write a letter to your Amir to let me travel in this earth freely. I will not go to Iraq. I will not go to Medina. Allow me to travel freely, but I will not ba give bay'ah. Huh? I will not give bay'ah. So he wrote the letter thinking that the letter is going to come back saying, yeah, give Hussein permission to travel in, in this earth freely. Not knowing that he was going to send an army of 25,000 men. So when the army gathered, Umar ibn Sa'ad came, Shimr came, they made an army of 40,000 people. Hur went to Umar ibn Sa'ad the night. Obviously he was feeling guilty for what he has done. He's intercepted the caravan of Imam Hussein and he's held him down until 40,000 enemies have came now to kill him. So he is the cause. He goes to Umar ibn Sa'ad, he says to him, will you truly kill Hussein tomorrow? Will you truly fight him tomorrow? Umar ibn Sa'ad says, we'll not just fight him. We will not just kill him. But we will fight him, we will kill him, we will behead him and take his head to the Khalifa. So, Hur came out. He went near the tent of Imam Hussein. He heard. He says, it was like a beehive. بَيْنَ تَالِيًا لِلْقُرْآنِ وَمُسْتَغْفِرًا وَرَاكِعًا وَسَاجِدٍ He sees some of them in ruku', some of them in sujood, some of them reciting the Qur'an. He goes closer to the camp of Umar ibn Sa'ad and he sees them drinking and gambling and laughing and being obnoxious. So he stood and he said, أُخَيِّرُ نَفْسِي بَيْنَ الْجَنَّةِ وَالنَّارِ وَوَاللَّهِ لَا أَخْتَارُ عَلَى الْجَنَّةِ شَيْئًا I now have stood between heaven and hell, right or wrong, haq and batil. And wallah, I will not choose anything above Jannah. I will not choose Jahannam above Jannah. So he went, the tradition say, with his head down, he went to Imam Hussein. Listen to this. So Hur ibn Yazid came to Imam Hussein and he said, Assalamu alayka ya Aba Abdullah. Imam Hussein came out of the tent. He said, Man ant, who are you? He said, Sayyidi, Analadi Jajabikum Tariq. Oh my master, I am the one who has caused this. He didn't say his name. He was too ashamed to say his name. He was too ashamed to say, I am Hur. He said, I am the cause of this. Now, Imam Hussein, what was his response? His response was, Hur, now you come after you've done this. After tomorrow morning, in a couple of hours, we'll all be killed. We will all be beheaded. Then my wife, why my children and my, the woman will be taken as captives. Hur, now you show up? Did Imam Hussein say this? Did Imam Hussein even remind him of what he has done? Sayyidi, Imam Hussein's response. 
He says, Hallimun Tawbah. Is there a Tawbah for me? Me. Hor. After what I have done. Imam Hussein says, Wa alayka salam tubta ballahu alayk. It's as simple as that. Peace be unto you. You know what it means to have one salam from Hussein ibn Ali? Salamun alaykum tibtum. Watabatil arvulati fihadufintum. Wafustum wallahi fawzan azima. Imam Ja'far ibn Muhammad al-Sadiq, the founder of the madhab. He stands in front of the graves of the companions of Imam Hussein. He says, may I be sacrificed for you and for the land that you are buried in. Huh? So he says, Tubtab Allahu alayhi. Ask for repentance, Allah will forgive. Meaning, meaning, oh parents, listen. Meaning, if Allah can forgive you, oh hur, who am I not to forgive you? Meaning, if Allah is not judging you now, He's going to forgive you, who am I to judge you? Who am I to judge you? Who am I not to forgive you? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, forgive those who have wronged you, and Allah will forgive you in the day of judgment. Let us learn how to forgive. Let us know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put this enormous part, this important part, this dimension with our soul known as al-nafsul lawama. And Allah swears by this nafs in the Quran. He swears by the importance of this nafs but not for us to keep nailing people on the head and belittling them for a mistake that they have done. But to be able to use that nafs to help others, to hold them by the hand, give them strength, let them get back on their feet, tell them that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the most merciful, the most compassionate. This is what Imam Hussein did with Hur. He held him by the hand. Hur was fallen. He was broken. He had nothing. He had no one. Imam Hussein got him back on his feet. Sometimes people make mistakes in our community. They have to say goodbye to the community. They have to kiss the community goodbye. Sometimes not even them. Their children make mistakes. But they have no ability to come to the community anymore. Sometimes the relatives make a mistake, but they do not have the ability to take part in the community anymore. Why? A person comes to Al-Imam Al Ali ibn al-Hussein, Zain al-Abideen, he says to him, Allahumma salli ala He says to him, Ya ibn Rasulullah, I have committed a huge sin. But I am now in Hajj. I have done the Tawaf. I have worn the Haram. I have done the Sa'i. I have gone to Mina, Arafat. You still wonder, has Allah forgiven me? Imam Zainul Abidin says to him, Your doubt in the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has yet not forgiven you 
is a greater sin than what you had achieved previously. Whatever it may have been in the past that you've done is a greater, is minor. And now the fact that you, after your hajj, after your ihram, think that Allah, the Arham al-Rahameen, has not forgiven you is a bigger sin, is a greater sin. And that is why I want to talk about this topic in the following manner. Number one, Islam, the religion of forgiveness. Number two, Allah loves to forgive. Number three, Quran, the book of forgiveness. And number four, how do we get our sins forgiven? After your loud salawat ala Muhammad wa Ali Muhammad. The religion of Islam, my dear brothers and sisters, reminds us every day to ask for forgiveness and it reminds us every day that we are forgiven. How so? We are asked to pray five times a day. And indeed, some of us who combine the prayers and pray in three different times, but five prayers, will do wudu three times, and it's okay. However, wudu is mustahab before every salah. So even if you're combining, it is highly recommended that between dhuhr and asr you do a wudu. Between maghrib and isha, you renew your wudu. For wudu is nur, and wudu upon wudu is nurun ala nur. Some people, they come and they say, say it. Wudu was for 1,400 years ago. When people were going in the masjid, their feet were smelling, and their hands were dirty. They used to work in the, in the fields, in agriculture. So they wash their hands, they wash their face, they wash their feet, and they come now. In the morning, I wake up, I take a shower, I use soap, I use cologne. I don't see the meaning behind wudu. Why do I have to do wudu? Can't I just do wudu in the shower? Yes. If your philosophy of wudu is just slapping some water on your face and your hands, then yeah, you don't have to. After you do a shower, you can... But what is the philosophy of wudu? When I wash my face, there are special traditions, hadiths, that indicate the dua and the supplication surrounding the wudu. So the first time I wash my face, I ask Allah for forgiveness for the sins I have accumulated with this face. Oh Allah, forgive the sins of my eyes. Oh Allah, forgive the sins of my tongue. Oh Allah, forgive the sins of my ears. Oh Allah, forgive the sins of my thoughts and my intellect. Then the second time I wash, Oh Allah, give me the strength, the ability not to sin with my eyes, not to sin with my tongue. When I wash my hand, Oh Allah, forgive the sins of this hand, of those fingers, forgive them. The second time, Oh Allah, strengthen this hand, not to disobey you. Oh Allah, my left hand, forgive its sins. Then from head to toe, when I wipe my head to my toes, from head to toe, oh Allah, this is a declaration that I have sinned. I am a sinner from head to toe. I am weak to you from head to toe. I am in need to you from head to toe. Oh Allah, forgive my sins head to toe 
and give me the strength to be a true abd to you. Then we stand for salah. This philosophy of wudu, yes, it is beautiful. It is not only beautiful to do it three times a day, but five times a day. And that is why the urafa tell you to remain on wudu all the time because this wudu guards you from sin. This wudu gives us special nur according to the hadith. Now, when I understand that when I perform wudu, Allah has forgiven my sins. When I perform ghusl al-jumu'ah, and I wash my entire body in the day of Friday. It is meant to cleanse me, purify me from all that I have accumulated in the week. Huh? When I know that the religion of Islam constantly teaches me that I am forgiven, that I am cleansing myself, purifying myself. We declare the religion of Islam as the religion of forgiveness. Allah, number two. Allah loves to forgive brothers and sisters. Isn't he the one that says, Qul, Ya asrafu ala la min rahmatillah. Inna Allah Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. Oh, you who have drowned in sin, drowned in sin. Do not despair from the mercy of Allah, for Allah forgives all the sins. Allah forgives all the sins. And if they ask you about me, tell them I am near. I am close. They don't have to struggle to find me. I am always there. All they need to do is call on to me. That is why in dua, Joshan, this dua that's the legacy of our Imam Zainul Abidin, what do we say to him? Ya Habiba, Malla Habiba, La, Wa Ya Mu'nisa, Malla Mu'nisa, La. وَيَا جَلِيسَ مَلَّا جَلِيسَ لَا سُبْحَانَكَ يَا لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا أَنْتْ الْغَوْثَ الْغَوْثَ خَلِّصْنَا مِنَ النَّارِ يَا رَبْ Oh, the beloved of those who have no beloveds. The friend of those who have no friends. The acquaintance of those who have no one to sit with and converse with. He is Allah. He is the true friend. Believe me, today you can think of your best friend. Write his name. Now go and do something really bad. I'm not encouraging it, of course. I don't want you to do that. Once, he may forgive you. Twice, he may forgive you. Ten times, he's not going to forgive you. Your parents, once, twice, ten times, hundred times, they will still not forgive you. They'll say so many times you've done the same mistake over, over, and over, and over again. How many times? How many chances do you want? But Allah says you are always welcomed back. There is no such thing as creating a barrier between you and me. Isn't this the true Habib, the true beloved, the true friend? Someone you can really rely on? 
موسى بن عمران عليه وعلى آله وعلى نبينا وآله أفضل الصلاة والسلام was going to speak to Allah for 30 days then Allah added another 10 days so it became 40 days but Allah says Musa you tell your people they are prophet of Allah that you are leaving and you choose a successor who was Harun he pointed a successor he says I'm going for 30 days to meet Allah so the people thought it was 30 days but 10 days were added. They were tested in the 10 days. How? With their Khalifa. Musa's people were tested in the Khilafah. And Muhammad's nation was also tested in the Khilafah. So Musa, when he was going, he saw old man. Old man says to him, Musa, come here. So Musa, he came. He says, where are you going? He says, I'm going to speak to Allah to Mount Sinai to have a conversation with Allah. So he says to him, can you take a message? Yeah, I can take a message, sure. He says, you, when you see him, tell him I hate him. I don't want to have anything to do with him. Tell him, in fact, I don't want him to send me food and shelter. I don't want anything with him. So Musa, he became very angry with him. He said, I will never deliver this message. You're an ungrateful abd. And he left. So, Musa began the conversation with Allah 20 days, 30 days, 35 days, 36 days, 37 days, 38 days, 39th day, Allah said, Musa, do you have a message for me? Musa says, no, ya Allah. Musa, are you not forgetting something? No, Allah. Are you sure, Musa, there is nothing you're forgetting? No. And Musa says, Allah, there is a message, but I cannot deliver this message. It's from an ungrateful abd. Allah says, listen. Listen. This is the merciful Allah. He says, oh, Musa, is this message from, for you or for me? He says, Allah, it is for you. Then Allah says, Musa, deliver the message. So Musa delivers the message. Then Allah says to him, Musa, go to this man and tell him, since I created you, I will always take care of you. I will always look after you. I will always send you your nourishment. You are my Abd. Ya man yu'ti man sa'alah. Ya man yu'ti man lam yas'alah. Wa man lam ya'rif. Tahannunan minhu wa rahmah. Oh, the one who gives to those who know him and remember him. And to those who do not know him and do not remember him. But he is so merciful. He is so kind. He is so compassionate. Allah loves to forgive. There was a man in the time of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam. His name was Hanzalah, Hanzalatun Nabash. Go read about him in the books. His job was used to dig graves and steal the shrouds. This was his job. 
When people would get buried, he digs the grave and steals their shroud. Nabbash. A young lady, she was on her deathbed. She called him, she says, Hanbala, no man has ever looked at me. I am giving you the shroud, the skafan. Take this. When I die in a couple of days, I don't want you to come to my grave. So first he was in denial. He said, no, I don't do such things. Astajiru billah, na'udhu billah. But I will take the kafan anyways. So she said to him, not only the kafan, take some money too. Take this money. Do not come to my grave. So he gave her a promise. He gave her a promise. She died. They buried this young woman. He went to her grave. Shaitan comes. Shaitan says, but now she's dead. Who cares about the promise you made to her? Go. So he went, he dug the grave and he stole the shroud of this young lady. Not only that, but he took advantage of her. In that moment, we have two nafs in our, in our existence. We have one nafs, it is our nafs, two dimensions. And nafs al-ammara bisu' And nafs al-lawama. Nafs al-lawama is guilt. The rebuking soul. What we have been discussing. And nafs al-awara is the one that drives us to do evil. So they create a balance. At that moment, and nafs al-lawama, the guilt, the rebuking soul, tackled the other one down. It said, enough is enough. So he realized realize what he has done Allahu Akbar what is this sin so he ran towards Rasulullah he says to him Ya Rasulullah I have sinned I want to ask for forgiveness Rasulullah says how great is your sin he says Ya Rasulullah it is very great Rasulullah knows he has the knowledge of the unseen so he says to him oh man is your sin greater or the heavens? He says, my sin. Is your sin greater or the earth? He says, my sin. He says, is your sin greater than the universe? He says, my sin. Then Rasulullah tells him, is your sin greater or the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? He says, the mercy of Allah. The mercy of Allah is greater than mercy. So he says, then go seek the mercy of Allah. This man goes in the desert. He shackles himself. He asks for repentance. And he vows that he's not going to go back until Rasulullah informs him that he's been forgiven. After 40 days, the angel Jibra'il comes. Ya Rasulullah, go tell Handala. That Allah has forgiven not only that sin, He has forgiven all His sins. He has no sins in His record now. So Rasulullah took some of the companions. They saw Hanbala in his last moments. He was not eating and drinking, and he was. So Rasulullah says to him, Ya Hanbala, you have been forgiven. Jibra'il informs me, You have been forgiven. So he raises his hands. He says, Oh Allah, now that you have forgiven all my sins, take me away before I commit another sin. 
He was taken to Allah as a pure man, sinless man. Allah loves to forgive. The book of Quran, the last revelation of Allah is the book of forgiveness. If you look at the verses from the beginning of Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim until the end of the Quran, it is directly or indirectly speaking of mercy and forgiveness. That's the theme of the Quran. To be forgiven. That Allah forgives, that Allah is merciful, that Allah is compassionate, that Allah is kind. And Allah tells us the story of the Prophet Yunus. Yunus kept telling his people, kept telling his people, oh people, come to Allah, come to Allah. Many years, only two people believed in him. Only two people believed in him. Until he cursed his people. So Allah says, Yunus, informs them, inform them that the punishment is coming to them. So he got up, he said, listen, the punishment of Allah is coming to you. You cannot escape the punishment. They said to him, Yunus, which punishment? What is this baloney? Go. So he said, fine, I'm leaving, but you're going to see the punishment. It's going to be four days, the skies will change color, and then the fifth day, Allah will shower his punishment. They didn't believe him. As soon as he left, yes, the sky changes color. They realized everything that he had told them is taking place. The punishment is imminent, so they went to his home, knocking at the door, he's not there. They went to the other guy, the carpenter. He, they knocked at his door. He wasn't there. There was another man who believed in Eunice, but he was still there at his house. As soon as they showed up, he opened the door. He said, I know what you want. I know why you're here. You're here to look for Eunice. Eunice is not here, but the Lord of Eunice is here. What should we do? He said, all of you barefoot, everyone in the city, you go to the desert. There, when everyone's heart is sincere, then Allah will forgive you all. That is why I keep saying, I said this yesterday, I will say this today. When we do dua, this is a masjid, a house of Allah. We do dua, we raise our hands to Allah, all of us. And all of us go with sincerity. Some people in the time of dua, in the end of the majlis, which is the most important aspect, you see them, they're sitting like this. Why, brother? This is the etiquette of dua. You're speaking to your Lord. It's like speaking to someone important, but not looking at them. This person is here. You're talking to them while looking this way. Is this part of the etiquette of speaking to someone? No. Part of the etiquette of speaking to Allah is raising our hands. There is no shame in that. Is shedding tears for Allah. There is no shame in that. Is making sure we all together go with pure intentions. Because when we do, Allah will look at this crowd and say, Everyone here and this gathering has come to me in the state of idhtirar. Amman yujibul. 
So he says, you go to this outside the city, you pray, Allah will forgive, and it's true. They went, they asked for repentance, Allah forgive them. The clouds were removed, they went back to their lives. Yunus went into a huge story of, he was in the ship, he was thrown in the stomach of the whale, then he was thrown back. He came to the city, everyone's there. Everyone who was supposed to be punished and die, he was, they were there. But the difference is not, they're not disrespecting him, they're not mocking him. They're coming, kissing his hand, Ya Nabi Allah, Ya Nabi Allah, Ya Yunus. So this is something wrong. He asked one of them, what happened? They said, Ya Nabi Allah, this is what happened. We asked for repentance. Allah bestowed his mercy and his forgiveness onto us. And now we know that you are a true prophet of Allah, so we will follow you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks of many stories of forgiveness in the Quran. But he begins this Quran with the notion, the principle of forgiveness. The ABCs of forgiveness. Ya rahmatullah al The ABCs of forgiveness. وَعَلَّمَ آدَمَ الْأَسْمَاءَ كُلَّهَا And then Adam says, Oh Allah, I want to ask for forgiveness. Allah gives him asma, names. And then Yusuf says, Oh Allah, save me from this calamity. Allah gives him names. Ibrahim says, Oh Allah, I want this ship not to sink. Allah gives him names. Musa wants Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to save his people. Allah gives him names. What are those names? You know the names. How do we get? How do we get our sins forgiven? There are many ways. But the easiest way, the best way, the sweetest way is when you ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the name of Muhammadin wa Aliyin wa Fatimah wa Al-Hasani wa Al-Husayn sallu ala Muhammad wa Alimha wa alaykum wa rahmatullah